Well, our adventure uh, this weekend, Angela and I, have to tell you about these things. We went to uh, a play over at the Alley Theater last night. It was uh, a comedy done by four cast members who played, I don't know how many characters they played. It was quite a few. These four people played the entire cast. It was a remake of uh, Alfred Hitchcock's. It was a play based on Alfred Hitchcock's uh, movie, The 39 Steps. And for the life of me, I do not understand still what the 39 steps were. I don't think we ever figured that out. But it was, uh, it was a good time. Now, before that, here's a, here's a free little bit of advice. If you're going to a restaurant and when you check the website and you check the, the Yelp to see you know, what the menu is and how good the restaurant is, if it says three stars, there's a reason those two stars are missing. Angela had a plate of chicken jerky. It um, wasn't supposed to be chicken jerky. Um, but we didn't let the, the restaurant experience dictate the rest of our night. We had a thoroughly good time. Um, that was our adventure. And I share that with you for no apparent reason. Um, I was just waiting for Bobby to get back by the computer. and to, Okay, we're ready. Good. So... Kay read an interesting piece of scripture about Jacob. Jacob wrestles with God. Now, I had the privilege yesterday here at Countryside of serving Holy Communion to a church full of people um, who had dedicated themselves to helping people, they call them pilgrims, helping Pilgrims attain a deeper relationship with the living Christ. And yesterday, the Emmaus team for the upcoming September walk met here to do their planning, and I was blessed to be able to serve them the Lord's Supper before they got started with their day. And before I did that, um, they made the mistake of letting me have a microphone. And I said a few words about how I had not gone to an Emmaus walk myself. I went through a very similar experience uh, called Curcio. And I explained that it had had a deep influence on my life because I was not long out of my Marine Corps service and I was struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder from my combat time in the Gulf War. And my Curcio experience helped bring me to a place of reconciliation, uh, healing from these relentless ravages of PTSD. And I have to say, and I will say every opportunity I get, that I am most grateful to my wife, Angela, because she was able to breathe into me a Holy Spirit truth several years after this Curcio experience, which culminated in my ultimate healing from post-traumatic stress disorder. And she said to me simply one day after I was wrestling with nightmares and sleepless nights, she said to me, you know that you're forgiven, right? Well, that was 
a declaration that proved to be an epiphany for me. And I haven't struggled with the devastation of PTSD from that time forward, but I can tell you before I got to the other side of that, let's just say I was a different person than who you see before you. I wrestled with God like Jacob, I think. And I tell you that because I emerged from my struggles a a changed man. We struggle as humans, I think, as humankind with our, our identity. Ever since the fall in the garden, humankind has wrestled with an identity problem. Because we were created to be perfect. We were created to be eternal. We were created to be companions to God, to serve Him and worship Him and love Him. But then sin entered the picture and all of that got twisted up and fragmented and broken. But even with all the brokenness, we still, each of us, have deep within us this flicker of our true created identity, the part of us that wants relationship with God. Even people that don't come to church, even people that don't really know Jesus have this flicker. Some people call it conscience. They want to be righteous deep within themselves. And so we as humans are tormented and conflicted because our sin nature is so pervasive and dominant in our lives. We've all, we've all had all of our lives to get really good at sinning, right? But our sin nature creates friction. It creates angst and anxiety because it goes against who we really are. Who we really are in Christ which is a perfect child of the Most High God. And so we wrestle with our God identity. We wrestle with God and who we are in Him. And we do that every day of our lives, whether we're Christian or non-Christian. We wrestle. And so Kay told us the story. Jacob wrestled with God before he crossed into Canaan. It says, but during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two maidservants and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He got them safely across the brook along with all his possessions. But Jacob stayed behind by himself. And it says a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Now, scholars have played with this scripture over the years, and some say, well, he wrestled with an angel of God, and some say he wrestled with God himself, and some say, well, he wrestled with Jesus Christ, and, and some say, well, he was just wrestling with his righteous self. Any way you look at it, it's wrestling with God. And it says, but Jacob stayed behind by himself and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he couldn't get the best of Jacob as they wrestled, he deliberately threw Jacob's hip out of joint. 
And then the man said, let me go. It's daybreak. Jacob said, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. The man said, what's your name? And he answered, Jacob. The man said, but no longer. Your name is no longer Jacob. From now on, it's Israel. God wrestler. You've wrestled with God and you've come through. And Jacob asked, what's your name? The man said, why do you want to know my name? And then right then and there, he blessed him. You see, the moment Jacob wanted to know Christ, he wanted to know the name of Jesus, even though maybe he didn't know that was the name that he wanted to know. The moment he wanted to know Jesus, right then, right there, he was blessed. And so Jacob named the place Peniel, God's face, because he said, I saw God face to face and lived to tell the story. See, it's not so much that seeing the face of God is a terminal experience. It's that seeing the face of God, seeing God face to face, coming into relationship with God, produces life and we can tell the story as our testimony and you see Jacob was not ready to move into the land of Canaan he wasn't ready to cross the brook with his family and his possessions because Jacob was all about Jacob see from birth Jacob was more interested in Jacob in himself than in serving God and serving others. He'd always had that issue. He was the second born. He was born behind his older brother Esau. And scripture says that he came out holding on to Esau's heel. As if he had been wrestling in the womb to be first. And just couldn't overcome holding on to his brother's heel so that he could be first to receive the birthright as the firstborn son. But he wasn't successful, so he continues for the rest of his life trying to establish himself as first. Do we do that in our lives? Do we we spend uncountless hours and, and countless effort trying to make ourselves first? And so later he convinces Esau, not sure exactly what's wrong with Esau. He convinces him one day when Esau comes out of the field, famished, hungry, starving, according to Esau. I'm, I'm dying here is what the scripture says. Esau says, I'm, I'm dying. Give me some of your lentil stew. And Jacob says, I'll give you some lentil stew if you'll give me your birthright. And so Esau says, done. I don't know if I would give up my birthright for a bowl of lentils. They're not that good to me. But And then even after that, Isaac, the father, Jacob and Esau's father, is, is dying. 
And Jacob convinces an ailing Isaac, a dying Isaac, that he is Esau. He disguises himself and goes into his father Isaac and receives the blessing of his dying father in the place of Esau. So he tricked Isaac into blessing him because Jacob was all about Jacob. But here at the brook, during the course of this one particular night, Jacob wrestles with his true identity. Jacob wrestled with his God identity. He was changed. He became Israel, the God wrestler. He was changed. And because of that transformation, he went to seek reconciliation with Esau, the brother that he had wronged so terribly throughout his life. Now, I don't know about you, but I can relate to Jacob. See, before I came into a full relationship with Jesus Christ, I had been wrestling with my true identity. Have you ever been there? I had been wrestling with God. My life had always been short of what God wanted for me. My life was all about me. And so I wrestled constantly with the part of me that was wanting to be righteous. See, the sinful me was in constant battle with the true me. The PTSD me was in constant conflict with the peaceful me. I wrestled and resisted and I fought tooth and nail to avoid moving into a right relationship with God until finally God put my hip out of joint as he did for Jacob. So a question I would ask you is, what's your hip out of joint moment? Have you had a hip out of joint moment? When did God get your attention and make you understand that your struggle would continue in this life until the point when you relented and said, I won't let go of the struggle until you bless me, God. I cannot let go of this until you bless me. I won't let go of the conflict unless you bless me, God. I won't let go of the pain and the suffering. I can't let go of it unless you bless me. I can't let go of the brokenness or the PTSD or the financial hardship or the smoking, the drinking, the partying, the foolishness until you bless me, God. Because I want you to change me. I want you to transform me. I want you to give me a new name, Father God. I want you, Abba Father, to give me a new identity, my true identity. I want a new name that reflects who I was created to be in you. And I won't let go until you bless me. See, Jacob was a prodigal son. You've heard that before. You know the story. I know the story all too well. Because I was the prodigal son. 
And aren't we all prodigal sons until we turn around and see our Father running toward us? Ladies, you don't have to be a man to be a prodigal son. Just to let you know. This doesn't exclude you. Because all you have to be to be a prodigal son is a sinner in need of a Savior. And all of us are that. Now I could read you the story of the prodigal son. But I found a version that you might have heard. By James Weldon Johnson. You might have heard it or it might just sound familiar to you because you're living it or have lived it. He says, young man, young man, your arms too short to box with God. But Jesus spake in a parable and he said, a certain man had two sons. Now, Jesus didn't give this man a name, but his name is God Almighty. And Jesus didn't call these sons by name, but every young man everywhere is one of these two sons. And the younger son said to his father, he said, Father, divide up the property and give me my portion now. And the father with tears in his eyes said, Son, Don't leave your father's house. But the boy was stubborn in his head and haughty in his heart. And he took his share of his father's goods and he went into a far off country. There comes a time. There comes a time when every young man looks out from his father's house longing for that far off country. And the young man journeyed on his way and he said to himself as he traveled along, this sure is an easy road. Nothing like the rough furrows behind my father's plow. Young man, young man, smooth and easy is the road that leads to hell and destruction downgrade all the way the further you travel the faster you go no need to trudge and sweat and toil just slip and slide and slip and slide till you bang up against hell's iron gate and the younger son kept traveling along till at nighttime he came to a city and the city was bright in the nighttime like day The streets all crowded with people, brass bands and string bands a play. And everywhere the young man turned, there was singing and laughing and dancing. And he stopped a passerby and he said, tell me, what city is this? And the passerby laughed and said, don't you know? This is Babylon. Babylon, the great city of Babylon. Come on, my friend, and go along with me. And the young man joined the crowd. Young man, young man, you're never lonesome in Babylon. You can always join in a crowd in Babylon. Young man, young man. You can never be alone in Babylon. 
You can never be alone with your Jesus in Babylon. You can never find a place, a lonesome place, a lonesome place to go down on your knees and talk to your God in Babylon. Because you're always in a crowd in Babylon. And the young man went with his newfound friend and he bought himself some brand new clothes. And he spent his days in the drinking dens, swallowing the fires of hell. And he spent his nights in the gambling dens, throwing dice with the devil for his soul. And he met up with the women of Babylon. Oh, the women of Babylon, dressed in yellow and purple and scarlet, loaded with rings and earrings and bracelets, their lips like a honeycomb dripping with honey, perfumed and sweet-smelling like a jasmine flower. And the jasmine smell of the Babylon women got in his nostrils and went to his head, and he wasted his substance in riotous living. In the evening, in the black and dark of night, with the sweet-sinning women of Babylon, and they stripped him of his money, and they stripped him of his clothes, and they left him broke and ragged in the streets of Babylon. And so the young man joined another crowd, the beggars and the lepers of Babylon. And he went to feeding swine, and he was hungrier than the hogs. He got down on his belly in the mire and the mud and he ate the husks with the hogs and not a hog was too low to turn up his nose at the man in the mire of Babylon. Then the young man came to himself. He came to himself and he said, In my father's house there are many mansions. Every servant in his house has bread to eat. Every servant in his house has a place to sleep. I will arise and go to my father. And his father saw him afar off. And he ran up the road to meet him. He put clean clothes upon his back and a golden chain around his neck. He made a feast and killed the fatted calf and invited the neighbors in. Oh, oh, sinner. When you're mingling with the crowd in Babylon, drinking the wine of Babylon, running with the women of Babylon, you forget about God and you laugh at death. See, today you've got the strength of a bull in your neck and the strength of a bear in your arms. But some of these days, some of these days you'll have a hand-to-hand struggle with bony death. And death is bound to win. Young man, come away from Babylon. That hell border city of Babylon. Leave the dancing and gambling of Babylon, the wine and whiskey of Babylon, the hot-mouthed women of Babylon. Fall down on your knees and say in your heart, I will arise and go to my Father. I can only add to that. 
by encouraging you in your daily wrestling match to wake up each morning with the coming dawn with new resolve to say those words, I will arise and go to my Father. Every day is a struggle. And every day God's mercy and grace is new to you. Say, I will arise and go to my Father. I will cease my struggle against my true God-given identity. My arms are indeed too short to box with God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.